0: Hello friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We have hit the halfway point for season three of Enneagram and Coffee, which means two things. One, it is time for me to take a bit of a break. And two, after podcasting for two and a half years, and one and a half years of that being five days a week, the feed here is long. And there's a lot of content that you probably haven't even seen yet. So the solution to both of those problems is to re-upload some of my favorite episodes for the month of June. This month we're focusing on educational episodes, things to lay the groundwork of Enneagram knowledge so that we are all on the same page moving forward. Thank you in advance for understanding and I cannot wait to create more content for you so soon. Hello, and welcome back to another mistyping episode. Today we are talking about type three and type seven, what they have in common and what makes them different so that if you are deciding, am I a type three or a type seven, it can be very, very clear for you or as clear as possible. First, I think the most important thing in any mistyping situation is to remember to always focus on the motivators and the basic fears. The motivation for our type three is to be important and worthwhile. The motivation for type seven is to remain happy, satisfied, and fulfilled. I really love when I'm deciding between a type or another type to pit these against each other. So if you're like, would I rather be important or free? Would I rather be worthwhile or feel worthwhile or feel fulfilled? Then the basic fear for our type three is of not being worthwhile. So they have kind of this, deep fear of like, what if I'm worthless? What if I end my life and I haven't done anything that made a difference? I haven't been worthwhile. And then for a type seven, at the end of the day, their fear is of being deprived or trapped in negative emotions. You know, sevens don't want to go without anything. Um, and they don't want to really sit in, in the darkness. They want to escape it. They want to get out of it as quick as possible. Type threes are driven by success. They have a desire to be seen as admirable, and threes are more likely to follow kind of a single path to success. So threes tend to have a common experience in life, which is that they, they work and they work and they work up, up, up. They're constantly driving and striving and growing in an upward trajectory. Sometimes those threes kind of end up, um, I have a type three in my life who calls it kind of the escalator to success, right? Like you're just kind of riding it, you get put on it, you're riding your path up to success, and you forget to ask if there was a better escalator for you. And so a lot of times there's threes who stay on that escalator forever. A lot of threes have a moment in their life where they recognize that their entire existence of of life has been around this path to success that they didn't necessarily choose for themselves. Rather, it was the path to success that was determined by their family, by their culture, by their careers, you know, what they thought was successful career, whatever it is, they're following this path up, 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 and forgetting to check in with themselves about whether or not this is something they really want. Now that is so different than our type sevens who are driven by maintaining their freedom and their happiness. Sevens tend to hop from experience to experience. They're less networky than our type threes are. They're less upward focused and more jack of all trades. So type sevens tend to have a lot of interest in a lot of things and they follow those impulses pretty quickly, right? Because their focus is on being satisfied. A lot of times sevens, they have this experience that they see all of the options in the world and they don't want to limit themselves. Like their biggest fear is ending life and being like, I didn't explore everything that I could have explored. And, and so that can be in contradiction to that upward path to success, sevens actually are more inclined to hop from escalator to escalator, seeing themselves as kind of these autonomous entities that just kind of hop into things and hop out of them and hop in and out. They don't feel fixed or even like they have a direct path that they intend to take more so they want to spread their experiences wide. I see sevens are less networky than threes because, again, sevens tend to be a lot more independent, a lot more autonomous, a lot less community-oriented than our type threes tend to be. Threes are big networkers. They know who to connect to in order to move up the ranks, and so they're very good at noticing, oh, if I make a connection with this person, then they'll put me in this circle, and that will move me upwards. whereas type sevens tend to be like, well, what feels good to me right now? and what conversation feels good to me right now. When that conversation quits feeling good, the seven will leave. A few key traits to keep in mind is that type threes kind of have this ability to charm a room and they can kind of change kind of how they show up to match the tone of the room or the space that they are in. So this can look like walking in and kind of reading body language, reading, interpreting people and responding in a way that Disarms people makes them feel connected and ultimately allows that three more success and better networking opportunities A few key traits for our type seven is that they want to maintain Options they're very non-committal. They have a lot of FOMO They do not want to miss out on opportunities and options and things And so it takes a long time for most sevens to commit to something and once they do commit They tend to go all in but it takes some time to get there So those are some just key differences. A few similarities for R3 and R7, both are action-oriented types. So they're both quick to take action. They are both future-oriented types. They're both aware of where they're heading, what they're doing. These things look different, right? Type 3s, they're thinking about their future in terms of what they can achieve, where they're going, how well they're going to do. A lot of 3s have like a 5-year, 10-year plan. Type 7s, they choose the future more as like an escape from current pain, Um, You know, what beautiful thing could happen down the road. Um, There's a very positive outlook on the future, and there's less commitment to that. There's less, like, if I make a 10-year plan and I don't follow through with that 10-year plan, that's fine for most type 7s. For a type 3, there can be a fear of failure if that 10-year plan does not come to fruition. So those are just some key differences to keep in mind. But I'm so excited because today I get to talk to both a type three and a type seven, both of them are absolutely killing it in business and just driven amazing leaders. And so they have a lot of similar interests in in careers, but you'll see a clear difference between the two of them. So I'm so excited to call Tyler and Keisha today. So first we're going to call up our type three, Tyler. So you guys, this Guest Tyler actually don't have to call because we share an office, so I can just kind of look over at him and say, Will you come talk to me on the internet for
2: a minute? and I'll say, No,
0: and then you just do it anyway.
2: Just kidding, I said, Of <laughs> course, I'd be happy to.
0: Um, so Tyler is our resident three, and why don't you tell us a little bit about you?
2: Okay, so my name's Tyler. Um, I Live in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, with Sarah Jane Case. I have an online business where I do, where we teach uh, entrepreneurs how to use Instagram to market their businesses online. And I recently married my husband, been together for 11 years, now we're married. So that's fun and weird mm-hmm. and cool. And I'm a three.
0: Yeah, on the Enneagram. And y'all, Tyler and I have been friends for
2: 13,
0: 13 years.
2: Almost 14 years now.
0: Yeah. We have done a million things together. Like, yes. he's like my ride or die.
2: We've lived together. Yeah. We've driven across the country together.
0: Build a business together.
2: Unbuild a business Unbuild, together. Yeah. Build separate businesses together. Oof. All the things.
0: So many good things. Yeah. So, Tyler, what is it about being a three that you most relate to? Like, when you first heard the description, what were you like, yep, there I am?
2: Yeah, I think it was the, underst- the or the idea of, like, pursuing achievement, going after things, wanting to always be the first, the best, the fastest, the next, like, I really identified with that. And that's typically been my experience, like, through high school and college and then my career and then entrepreneurship is always, like, striving to be the best and achieve at something.
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Okay. What happens if you're not the best?
2: That's interesting because even as I was saying that, like, I'm not always the best. You know, like, there's been lots of instances where, like, I wasn't valedictorian in high school. I wasn't, like, top of my class in college. But at the same time, I still was, like, recognized in my own way for being the best. Like, in college, like, I wasn't the smartest person, but I got, like, graduate of the year. So, like, in my own way, I was the best, which is interesting. I think it's, I think when I'm not the best, I can get a little bit, like, lost or a little bit... I think a little bit like confused about my place in the world. And it definitely can impact my, my self-worth and like what I think of myself and my worthiness to exist as a human on this planet. But also that's the work of the Enneagram, right? Is like navigating through that and understanding why that feels the way it does. And then evolving and growing in such a way. So when I'm not the best, like it isn't the end of the world Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make me hate myself.
0: Yeah. I love your honesty. Like that's like, one of my favorite things about our friendship but like i think that's a really big like a healthy three thing to just be like here's some of my vulnerabilities yeah look at them
2: (laughs) yeah my vulnerabilities are better than your vulnerabilities (laughs) so look at (laughs) look
0: at these yeah i wonder how many threes became more authentic when the hashtag authentic became a thing like when it became like the thing to be
2: Uh uh-huh well because then you could like then you could have like a, a way to understand how authentic you were being. You could like rate your authenticity, oh <laughs> and you could be gosh. the most authentic. You know, like, yeah. what can I share about that? That is interesting. I've never thought about that before, but I yeah. think there maybe is a little bit of a culture, especially an in Instagram culture, which you and I are so enmeshed mm-hmm. in, especially in Instagram entrepreneurship, where maybe there is a little bit of this, like, how can I be more authentic than you? Yeah. And people like share their sob stories and all of that.
0: Which that's not something like just for the record, like Tyler's been authentic for as long as I've known him. But but I think that that's an interesting and I like the way you said it, like there's a way to rank it. And I think that I almost feel like when you said that there was like when I was like, what happens when you're not the best? um, And you started describing the feeling. What came to mind for me was like this feeling of like, well, why try? Like, why do? And I don't know if that's how you feel. And I'd love to hear you tell me how, if that's how you feel.
2: I think I've probably felt like that before, like Mm -hmm. in the past. I think part of this work and like personal development and self-development is realizing that sometimes just like being committed to following through with the thing or doing the Mm -hmm. thing, even if you're not going to be the best at it, it is rewarding because then you're striving to be the best version of yourself. Even Mm -hmm. if you're not like the best version ranked in terms of your relation to other people, you are like you have that personal achievement and that the fact that you stayed in integrity with yourself and you've done it. And I think that can be really powerful, but also hard yeah. because there's like, cause there, cause in instances like that, there's the like there is no external validation. Really the only validation you have is just the knowledge that you saw something through. But maybe that's, maybe that's the growth, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that's the work is just like the achievement of actually doing it, whether or not people see it or know it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on like, incredible self-awareness there and the fact that like you are acknowledging that like you tend to seek for outside validation Mm -hmm. or like a, you know, good jobs, but that you are like learning to get that from an internal resource, which like, that's like huge for threes. Like that's Mm -hmm. like the work that's so much important work. I just want to talk to you. I'm like, (laughs) we'll just talk about you. (laughs) So I want to hear a little bit. Like if I were like, okay, Tyler, In your life, I know you're going to have incredible success. You're going to like reach the heights of possibility in your like personal financial goals, but it's going to, your freedom will be limited. But you, then you have this other path where it's like you're kind of off the grid and no one really knows what you're doing or if it's happening. And there's maybe, maybe you're just like given a certain amount of money, you live off of it, but you have full freedom. You know, which would you have chosen? I know you've done a lot of self-work, but like which would you have chosen like traditionally?
2: Uh, Traditionally, it would be like the path of achievement Mm -hmm. uh, with limited or reduced freedom Mm -hmm. would have been like the way I would have gone. The path of like being recognized and having all the things, right? In the past few years, like that's kind of shifted and changed and Mm grown for me. I I I think I've been able to find a way where both can exist, which is really cool.
1: Tell me more about that.
2: It's just the recognition. For me, it was like finding it through entrepreneurship in particular and really understanding that like at the end of the day, I had choice when it came to how I wanted to spend my time and how I wanted to make my money and what was important to me and what I valued and uh, a lot of like unlearning my upbringing and like what I knew about success and money and freedom and happiness and all of that and, and really understanding that. Both could coexist. Like I can have a life that allows me freedom in terms of time and where I spend my energy and what I do. Um, and also that allows me the professional and personal success that I want to achieve. So that's been really cool. Uh, I, there's still trade-offs though, right? Like there, you have to, you know, um, you have to get rid of your like sense of security or stability that you may have in a traditional job or things like that. So there's always trade-offs, but I found that to, to work really well for me.
0: I love that. And I I'm curious, you know, a lot of times type 3s have this experience and I I'm like I know you so well, so I know some of your experiences, but I would love to hear the inner experience for you on this of where like they get to a point in their career and they kind of stop and usually they're in a corporate environment or some kind of environment like that and they're rising up the ladder and they're getting promotions and then they kind of look around and they're like do I Want all of this? Like I'm just following the path that was the right path. Have you had an experience like that, and how did it feel?
2: Yeah, literally my entire life. <laughs> um, yeah, being in a, you know my before doing what I do now and having my own business, I was in the nonprofit world for a number of years, and uh, I did political and community organizing, and and had a nonprofit career. And all of those kind of the I guess probably seven or eight years of that. In all those scenarios, I was able to advance really quickly. And get jobs that I wasn't qualified for. I didn't have the training or the education for. But because of my beingness, because of who I was and how I built relationships with other people, it was really easy for me to get to get these jobs. And um, I, really, there there came a moment in my nonprofit career in particular. I've been in this organization for a number of years, and I would started you know as an hourly part time employee. And within two years, advanced myself to a district director overseeing like 40 employees and a budget of over $10 million and all this stuff and not wanting that. Like I thought that's what I wanted. And then also more importantly, not having the training or resources I needed to be successful in that. And that was really interesting, right? Cause it's this like this kind of tension of what well, I've achieved, but. I don't have what I need to continue achieving okay. in this place. So for me, it was kind of this realization of like, oh, I don't like this. Uh, I don't want it. Um, I don't really get it. I can do it, but I don't want to. So I took a demotion in the, where I was working. I moved into from a director role to like a coordinator role, or I think a manager role. So I came down and, and kind of my status in the organization, Kept my pay though. That was a non-negotiable. That's <laughs> impressive. <interesting. laughs> yes, um, I moved to a completely different department, doing completely different work, and it was horrible. It was completely unfulfilling. So I did what any normal, sane person does. I quit my job <laughs> and started my own business. But yeah, that that was definitely part of it. And even like now in my business, you know, I've Sarah Jane and I we quit our corporate jobs around the same time in 2016. So we've been doing the entrepreneurship thing for almost four years now. In this iteration, Sarah Jane did it before. Um, But we've been doing it together for this amount of time. And I, there's been, like, so many lives Mm -hmm. in both of our businesses. Um, But, you know, I, like, got really good at doing social media management and coaching and consulting that I didn't want to anymore. So then I created an online program. I've gotten really good at that. And now I'm looking for ways to transition and have a bigger impact and create something new. I think that's maybe something interesting that threes and sevens share. Yeah. Although seven stress me out. Um, (laughs) But I I think there is something to like, oh, like we don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over again forever. Like if this is no longer interesting or if we have fully achieved here or Mm -hmm. if we feel like our skills are not being fully utilized here, we can transition to something else. And that's totally okay.
0: Yes. I love that so much because I think that there is like this shared belief. And I think that's what makes us so easy to we get each other in so many business ways and in the sense of like things should evolve things should and can evolve i'm curious what about seven stresses you out not like on a personal level but like what is different yeah
2: yeah i think it's the from my perspective i see like from the seven like the seven experiences maybe there's not as much of a commitment to see something through Mm -hmm. all the way and that just frustrates me. It stresses (laughs) me out. Like I, from my perspective, like, and and the lens that I look at the world through is like, yeah, there's totally a time, there's a time and place for like doing something new, transitioning, stopping what's not serving you, trying something else. But I also think you really need to give everything a good old college try. Yeah. And I think you need to be really committed to trying something. And then once you've tried it and seen it all the way through, if it still doesn't feel right, or it's still not okay, Mm -hmm. or it's still not where you want to be, then totally transition and do something else. But I think it's that like maybe different view of commitment, and I guess mm-hmm. where sevens may see commitment as like limiting freedom, mm-hmm. um, I see commitment as like a path to freedom because mm-hmm. it allows you to actually figure out if the thing that you're trying to do is the right thing. Yeah, I see it in business in particular is when, yeah. when I talk about that.
0: I love that so much because I think I you know I see you in all of your many iterations. It's like the difference there is in preparation um, for those things and how you. Like you think in advance, you know, and you're preparing for them. You're thinking through, okay, well, how will this go? How will this infect things? Do I need to give this a shot? Versus me in the past being very much like, oh, I'm done with that. I've already created a new business. (laughs) And I think you've actually helped me to think about, well, what if you just commit to this for a period of time and then see what can come out of it versus like just changing your mind when the feeling hits.
2: Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's great.
0: I love that. So, Tyler, I want to make sure I ask you um, this really important question. What do you see as your life's purpose?
2: It's uh, like <laughs> a casual question. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I don't totally know what, that, what my life's purpose is. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone knows. I feel like you just kind of have to find it and, like, do things and see if, like, you uncover it. Mm-hmm. I think at this phase in life, it's uh, the purpose is in... Just, like, creating space and community for people Mm -hmm. where they feel seen, heard, and understood. And letting people know that, like, it's okay to be who you are as you are right now. Like, you don't have to do anything differently. You don't have to be anything differently. That's what I'm feeling really inspired by. And, like, at this moment in life. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I look back on my life, like, time and time again, that has been the thing that's brought me the most passion and what I want to bring to the world. So, I think that might be it.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes me feel emotional because I think... Immediately, I think back to, like, over the last 13 years of our friendship, and that's what I've felt, is that, like, every iteration that I've been, you've you've welcomed that version of me in. Totally. And I've never felt, like, I go into your house and I feel more relaxed than, like, being in my own home, (laughs) because it's just, like, everything's welcome here, everything's fine. Yeah. That's really beautiful. So, Tyler, what does stress look like for you?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, Well... It's funny you ask, because I'm currently in a season of stress <laughs> at the time of recording this podcast. I, I just I shut down. It's funny because as someone who like I would I would consider myself a high achiever. Like on paper, I think I am like a high achiever, right? I have all the things that you would think, oh yeah, they've done all the stuff they've achieved. They've achieved stuff. I for someone like that, I get very stressed out. I get mm-hmm. very overwhelmed. And it just leads to shutdown mm-hmm. and to hiding and to uh, laziness and to just like just not being able to function almost mm-hmm. and yeah that's what happens when I'm stressed yeah and that's where I am right now <laughs> and I don't like it I just want to well which is funny because my you know my husband's a nine you've yeah. he, you've heard him before right they've heard yeah him. Eric
0: is the nine and the two and nine mistype. that's Tyler's husband. So that's yes. really fun
2: so I like very like I start to take on some of his traits. Which works well for us as a couple, because then like we can both just sit on the couch and like do nothing and sloth around and all of that. But I think also like I get I get sad because I'm like seeing myself not be the best version of myself. I don't think I've always been that way, but I think maybe that's a newer development, like some of this personal development of like, oh, I'm noticing like, oh, right now I'm stressed, so therefore I'm overwhelmed, so therefore I'm shutting down, and therefore I'm like going into this mode of laziness and not doing anything. And I don't want to be that way. I'm not the best version of myself that way. But then that just adds to the cycle of shame and pain.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because my brain, I'm like, well, where's like where's the compassion for yourself in that?
2: Oh yeah, it's not there. Yeah.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Organifi. Your body is an amazing organic machine. It turns food into energy, heals wounds, supports your consciousness, and so much more but it needs the right fuel and signals to function at its best. Some of those signals include adaptogens. These are compounds that balance hormones and help you deal with stress in a healthier way. So if you're feeling tired, these compounds give you a boost of energy. If you're stressed, they help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. My favorite source of adaptogens is Organifi. They create these delicious superfood blends that mix easily with water. They make it easy for me to get more adaptogens in my day like ashwagandha, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. If you're looking for an easy way to support your amazing body, I highly recommend trying Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer a plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than 3 grams of sugar. They have different flavor options like green juice, red juice, gold chocolate, and even pumpkin spice for the holidays, all of which include superfoods for resetting the body and feeling amazing. If you want the highest quality plant-based ingredients for optimum health, go to Organifi.com and use code EGRAM for 15% off any item in the store.
2: Yeah, and something else that, and this is why I love our friendship, even just, you know, yesterday and and you talking me through something, I get so caught up in, like, the overwhelm and the the frustration with not being able to do that I can't even, like, consider or entertain alternative ways to achieve the thing I want to achieve because I feel like, well, on paper, this is the way it should be done and I should be able to do it this way. And that's what I love about our friendship is you're like, oh, well, that doesn't work. Just try it this way, you know? And even like yesterday and, and the conversation Sarah-Jane and I were having and you were like giving me all these ways to try this thing in a different way to accomplish the thing I need to accomplish. And I was like so hesitant mm-hmm. to that. But then I just left and I, I left our office and I like went and tried it. I was like, oh, yeah, that does work. Okay, I should try it that way. Um, but I feel like for me personally, like when I get into that stress, like it's almost like I put these blinders on and I'm closed off to any other option or, or way to do the thing I need to do. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh,
0: totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think what's interesting is like the ideas that I was sharing with you were things based off of like my knowing of how you operate. Yeah. And so, and I think what's hard about that is it's not a best practice. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is, if I, I feel like, do you think you tell me yeah. would it have been easier if I were like, Oh, this business owner that we both respect has done it this way.
2: yeah
0: So maybe you should try that. Would that have been easier than like, this is the way that I think might work for you.
2: Possibly. Yeah. I could have been like sold on the idea more quickly.
0: Interesting. But I think that like, yeah, I think that's yeah. an interesting idea to play with.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, well, what does rest look like for
2: you? Oh, I love resting. I like, I'm obsessed with it. And I think that's also another part of this growth process is like, I'm really learning how other components of my personality that complement the Enneagram, like human design or myers briggs or all these different things, like how they play into better understanding of myself. I think one area where I feel very evolved and developed versus a lot of other threes in my life, because we have a lot of three friends, because mm-hmm. uh, we're entrepreneurs and we got a lot of entrepreneur friends. True. Um, and I typically see a typical entrepreneur three is an overworker, a hustler mm-hmm. um, and uh, a hard worker to a fault. And then they use their platform and their voice and their existence kind of on social media or in their business or their power as like this entrepreneur to then kind of berate and shame other entrepreneurs into working mm-hmm. as hard as they do or hustling as hard as they do. Uh, and I think all oh, that's BS. Like, I'm just not here for it. So I love resting. I love not working. I think I'm in a phase in life now where I'm trying to, to achieve as much in not working and just existing and building a home and relaxing and traveling as I am trying to achieve in my business and mm-hmm. in my professional life. I think maybe to even a point, which is funny now, just talking it through, like, maybe to the point of, like, I am trying to be, like, the best at <laughs> the best at resting, <laughs> the most achieved rester. Yeah, for me, it looks like disconnecting. It looks like being present with other people. It looks like traveling, uh, cooking, shopping, and just not being, like, being on, but in a different way. What does that mean? Like when I'm working, it's very easy for me to turn off kind of the human side of me and go into work mode and focus mode uh, and emotions and convert, you know, all that gets in the way. It's also very easy for me to turn off work completely and to just get into a mode of being really present and connecting with other people. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Well, Tyler. You are just one of my favorite humans on the planet.
2: Thank you. Say it again.
0: You're one of my favorite (laughs) humans on the planet. And um, it really means a lot that you're here. So thank you.
2: Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: I loved talking to Tyler today. Tyler is one of my dearest friends. We've been friends since, like we said, like before he was even in college. And I've just seen him grow and expand in all these incredible ways and become more Um, himself as well over the years and I, I just think he is incredible and beautiful and lovely so I'm so glad you guys got to meet him so that's our type three I cannot wait to introduce you now to Keisha who is our type seven hello hi how's it going it's going so well how are you oh my gosh so so good um I'm pumped that you're here me too. I'm really excited. This is going to be so fun. Awesome. I wish that people could even just see like the text that you sent me to confirm that I'm about to call because it is like the most seven.
1: <laughs> I was like, I'm, I jumped on my trampoline.
0: Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I just jumped on my trampoline. I'm ready. All caps. I, was, I loved it. Um, so Keisha, will you tell us just a little bit about yourself? What you do? Yeah. For- yeah. For sure.
1: Um, So my background is actually in IT project management, which was really wrong for an Enneagram 7. It was a very buttoned up corporate career path. And now I'm an entrepreneur who has an online health and wellness business and a podcast. And I live in downtown San Diego with my now fiance, Sina, and our little fluffy bear, um, our dog, Lizzie.
0: And you guys just like recently got engaged.
1: Yeah, we got engaged on the 4th of July, but we've been dating for 10 and a half years. So oh basically gosh. a third of my life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love that.
1: And he's a three. He's an Enneagram three, which is honestly been learning more about Enneagram and kind of how to navigate our relationship and as we're shooting for goals and, you know, going into our career path has been so powerful because I didn't realize how annoying some of his quirks were to me until I realized what his motivators were.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Oh, you're
1: just being a three. I get it now. Okay. That makes sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like it's probably the case, like vice versa. Like, just like the more we understand each other, the easier it is to be like, Oh, Oh, that's why you're making different choices than I would make.
1: I mean, one like quick example on that, actually, that might be powerful is, I you know, I'm a seven and he's a three. And when I was in a corporate job that I knew didn't feel right, I felt really stuck and I didn't want to be in that role anymore. So I quit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as a three, uh, he saw me moving up, you know, in this career path and I was starting to make more income and I was starting to see a lot of these external accolades and you know, recognition for the career path that I was taking. But for me, it didn't matter because I just felt stuck and I knew that it wasn't right in my gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just impromptu wanted to quit. And that was a really confusing time in our relationship because he really did not understand what would make me quit when I had all these things on paper mm-hmm. that made sense to him. And he didn't understand that that actually just did not motivate me and i didn't know how to articulate it but now because of this and some of the research that we've done you know a huge part to you and the content that you put out i've dug into it so much more that it makes a lot of sense and it's helped so much
0: oh i love that that's so um you know like this is this episode's so much about like the mistyping between three and seven because so many people can see themselves in both and I feel like that's such an astute difference. Like that's such a specific difference. Um, so I think that's really, really helpful. So, okay. So can you tell us a little bit about the elements of seven that you a hundred percent relate to? Oh
1: boy. So <laughs> honestly, everything, I, <laughs> I really, really connects to being very joy and fulfillment driven. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, As in, like, I'm very focused on the process and making sure that the process is super fun and super fulfilling. I have lots of ideas. I don't have a difficult time starting anything. But I have a hard time when I get overwhelmed or feel like I'm stuck in order to, like, finish one thing when the next idea comes up that I think might be more fun, more fulfilling, or more impactful. Mm. so. Tina and I joke around about it and we call it like drunk squirrel uh, (laughs) where like I'm so excited and I'm not I don't feel anxious Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really excited and I'm very happy-go-lucky but I can get in my head about what's the next best choice because a lot of them seem like it would be really great and I want to move on to the next thing and I'm not afraid to start Mm -hmm. so that's very interesting because he is very goal-driven So he's like, well, what, you know, well, what's the end goal? I'm like, well, this is the goal right now, but the goal could change.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. This is the goal right now, but the goal could change. I think that's such an incredible distinction between a seven and a three. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm a little bit more like,
1: you know, I I like to try a lot of things. um, For example, at a restaurant would want like the best thing on the menu like what's in season like what's like the cool like entree and I want appetizers like a bunch of little bites of things because I don't want to pick one and it's not because I'm not decisive because I am actually really decisive when I know what I want and I'll stick to it which I I could see that being a three characteristic Mm -hmm. but I just kind of think it will be more fun if I get to try more stuff
0: yeah, like if like his food. <laughs> I don't want to have a
1: big food regret, you know? I this am like, no, I should have done that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel like you wish that, like, someone like you go out to dinner and you're like, can you just order one thing? I'll order the other thing, and then we'll just split both. And that, that's how we. That's how we've been together for ten and a half years. Like that's the success. If appetizers
1: or like small entree or like small bites aren't an option, you can't get the same thing as me because I might change my mind and I'm out. I might want part of your burger and be
2: annoyed that I
0: got a salad. Like that's how this relationship has succeeded. Yeah, and like you just you just nailed it in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Keisha, when you walk into like a room of people and you know, like okay, this room of people, they're gonna make a quick assumption about me. Do you have feelings about like what you hope that assumption would be?
1: Yeah, it's actually really interesting because I've done a lot of work around that because it's almost like a contradiction in my brain that I was working in uh, my background in IT project management and engineering recruiting. I actually left my last corporate job working at Google. Mm -hmm. And when you say that you work at Google or that you work in IT project management, like the assumptions that people make about working in that you know, company or with that type of role, often assume I'm smart, I work hard, you know, whatever other assumptions that are sometimes correlated to that role. Mm -hmm. And when I moved into this entrepreneurship role, even though I was more fulfilled, and I was having a lot more fun, and I actually, you know, make more income and impacts than I made in that previous role, the assumptions made with that were, oh, it's light. And it's, you know, oh, it's it's a cute little thing that she's doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, What was interesting about that is until I did a little bit of work around it in myself, I was wondering why it was bothering me that I wasn't taken seriously, yet I didn't care about the title at the same time. So it's kind of like, and maybe you have insight into that, because it's kind of like this contradiction where I want to be joyful and I want to be excited, but I also want to be taken seriously.
0: And that feels very conflictive internally, but Cena wants to be taken seriously and that's so much more of an important characteristic for him than the process of
1: getting towards there is.
0: Uh, what's I love that you brought that up because actually this was a revolution for me in Enneagram training was that it's actually a trigger, a common trigger for sevens to not be taken seriously. And I think that's because there's often a distance right between the internal intellect that sevens have like sevens are quick and smart. And like head types, like highly intelligent, but we present very silly and playful. And so there's like this like competing dynamic happening within us. Mm-hmm.
2: It is. It's so
1: interesting. And when you know it and you can catch it, mm-hmm. it's just like once once you're aware of it, you notice it, and it starts to not be an actual issue anymore that I feel conflicted about. I just notice it more. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, that's that's really weird. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you said that. I'm like so, so glad you said that because um, I think it's an important important piece of being a seven that we don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. Because a lot of times people will say to me that they wish they had my energy or more excitement and I'm so grateful that I have those characteristics and that I have this like very optimistic lens. But I think I also know the negatives of it, which mm-hmm. is I don't like to go too dark. I mm-hmm. really am uncomfortable with like really 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 lows so it's almost like I'm constantly reframing things which seems so optimistic and it is but the negative part is like I'm extremely fearful of really really dark times Mm -hmm. because I don't know how I'm going to manage it when I'm there.
0: Mm -hmm. When you were younger and like have done less self-work how Mm -hmm. did you handle that like what was your mechanism? Yeah
1: so I focused more on the things that I was excited about. So I definitely, growing up when my parents was an addict, mm-hmm. I just kind of decided that I would just become like the happiest person so that I wouldn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. I associated almost like, Oh, well if I'm happy and I'm excited and I'm building relationships and I'm loving hard on people, then I won't turn out the way that this person did. So I don't know how much of that is Enneagram related or how much of that is because of growing up, living with someone who was struggling themselves, that I created a lot of meanings that served me early on before I even really knew what that meant. Like, I would have talked about that when I was young. But I created a lot of, like, oh, well, I can figure this out. I'm just going to be more resourceful. I'm just going to be happier so that I don't have to handle this. I'm just going to make more friends. I'm just going to do more activities. So I did a lot of things, which is where, Mm -hmm. looking back at my childhood, I could also see... You know, maybe some of those things like where I wanted to achieve wasn't because I wanted to achieve like a three might want that achievement, but more so because it was fun to be having fun and kind of escaping what part mm-hmm. of my reality was.
0: Yeah. I think that like I don't wanna like say me too to like everything you're saying, but I relate a lot. I had an addict in my home as well, and it was my escape. That like the thinking yeah. about the future, like planning for what I would do when I grew up, like all of that, um, finding reasons to not be in my home. Cause I had like activities I was filling my time with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like, I, w- I we need like a whole episode just talking about this. Um, I, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it, it's so
1: interesting
2: Yeah, like, and it really correlates to everything that you do. And like, even the future mindset that I have now, like I'm such a dreamer. I have so many ideas and
1: I'm like, I wonder how much of that was, because of my upbringing or how much of that is just innate personality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, we could talk about this forever, but so I do want to ask you, one of the questions I asked Tyler, who's our three is if you were on the chopping block, like in court or something right now is like, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Would you rather have a multimillion dollar business? You're highly successful, well-regarded, like the go-to person in your industry, or we could say like, you're not going to have like, a multi-million dollar business, but you will have ultimate freedom and options and you'll never have to worry about if you can travel or expe- what you experience in the world, which would you choose? Oh, options. Hands down. <laughs> and the reason why this is funny too, because
1: I thought of like the other one, it sounded, it almost sounded more serious. And I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to have to wear like a pencil skirt to that first
0: one. Oh, no, like <laughs> I will not wear <laughs> a pencil skirt to that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, Keisha, what would you say is your life's purpose?
1: I want to empower people with tools to help them become more self-aware and be
0: more themselves. Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm trying to figure out all the avenues that I want to do that in, but I just think that I'm very myself. And I think that I have a gift of helping other people figure out who they are and show Mm -hmm. up more authentically.
0: Yeah. That sounds
1: like a buzzword. I just, I think
0: that's a gift. Yeah. I think that is a seven gift as well. Like just being able Mm -hmm. to be whatever you are and being fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also think I have appreciation for the other, like Enneagram has actually become part of a lot
1: of my friendships where I love Enneagram jokes. I mean, you're you're your accountant in in itself, but I love, I love people for who they are, where they're mm -hmm. at. And I don't want them to be like me unless that's what, you know, unless we're similar. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I freaking love that. Kendra, what does stress look like for you?
1: If I have to do something that I don't want (laughs) to
0: do. Yeah. How does that look and feel?
1: How does it feel? Yeah. It feels heavy and um, like I get anxious about it. I wouldn't say I have anxiety, but I I feel like I want to shut down if it's not from an internal motivator that I have. Mm -hmm. So if I have to do something that I don't want to do, I try and reframe it in a way of like, how is this serving me or serving someone else so I can make it more enjoyable? But when I have to do something where I feel stuck, like I hate saying yes, and hate is the actual word I want to (laughs) use. I hate when I say yes to something. And when the time comes, I'm like, why
2: did I say yes to this?
1: I I really don't like committing to things that I don't think are going to be fun or enjoyable or
2: impactful I don't know I just Mm -hmm. I don't like to stuck is the is the hardest part that feels really stressful to me if I feel stuck in a
0: project or in any type of commitment that I've made Mm -hmm. that I no longer want to do yeah I love that um not that I love your stress but I just like love (laughs) how honest you are and finally our last question is how do you relax like what does rest look like for you Rest
1: is being completely, like, unplugged from technology with people that make me laugh really hard Mm. that I feel really comfortable showing up at 100 Proof with. So not having to, like, tone down my personality at all and I just get to be really goofy and laugh really hard, that's one half. The other half, and that's actually a small. While I have a lot of a big group of friends and acquaintances too, that's actually a small amount of people that I feel like I can talk about my crazy big dreams, and I don't feel that I can be really, really bold in my personality. So either with uh-huh. those people laughing, or uh, completely unplugged, like with myself, like mm-hmm. walking the dog around downtown San Diego, or going on a hike, or doing something physical with my body where I'm pushing myself, but. I get to feel proud at the end of it.
0: Yeah. Have you always been able to unplug like that? Or is that like a learned skill?
1: I think it's learned um, (laughs) because I have such a large team of women that I work with that in order for me to maintain my energy, I've kind of decided that in order for me to maintain my energy, I have to actually fill my cup first. So I have to schedule an unplug time Mm -hmm. and uh, do a lot of these things like I kind of put, like Cena says, uh, when he asked my dad to marry me, he said that he was going to be the bumpers of my crazy bowling ball like lane for the rest of my life. Uh, just to kind of help keep me, let me be me, but kind of help keep me organized. So I, I implement that structure into my life in weird ways, like scheduling times that it, it seems like it would be stressful for a seven to have a, a block that they have to do or have to not do something. But when I create it, and I do it weekly, mm-hmm. it helps me feel less anxious. So I have times that I'm actually not available no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that has really helped me kind of just manage my own energy flow to keep my energy away that feels really good too.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So for everyone who's like interested in you and drawn to your energy, where can they find you?
1: My favorite platform is Instagram because I love video. So at Keisha Fitzgerald, K-C-I-A Fitzgerald. And then I have a podcast called Empower Her Podcast, which you are on. And that episode gets picked every day because people
0: love it. Aw. Yeah, I love that episode so much. Yeah, so you guys, it's Keisha Fitzgerald on Instagram. And then the Empower Her Podcast. Go listen to our episode together. It's one of my faves.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Yeah. I love this series. I can't wait
0: to hear all of it. Yes, thank you so much for coming. Isn't she so much fun? Like legitimately, I think she's one of the most fun people. Definitely go check out both Tyler and Keisha on Instagram. They are a blast to follow. They're both funny and interesting and inspiring in so many ways. So go check them out. I hope that this episode helped you to really distinguish the difference between a three and a seven and allowed you the space to um, reflect on yourself a little bit more, see what you see in yourself in each of those types. And I will see you guys in the next episode. In the meantime, if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please take just a second, go leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Those reviews again are like just so important to podcasters. It's like the only way that you can really support us in terms of gratitude, I guess, um, it allows us to get our podcast out there to new people. So it means a lot when you do that. And so if you have a second, please, please, please take a minute and do that for me. It would mean a lot. And um, I will see you guys so, so soon in the next episode.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.